This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Today's guest is, drum roll, the body coach, Joe Wicks. I'm going to be honest with you, I was so nervous to even invite him to come on the podcast because this guy is literally the PE teacher to the world. I'm talking teaching live workouts during lockdown with millions of people tuning in from all over the globe. This guy's unreal. I'm sure you're already following him, but if you're not, he has the best energy. It's super infectious. He's happy. He's full of beans, loves a laugh. He's all about balance. He'll share his wobble days with you, which is kind of like where he cheats and eats a bit of chocolate and treats, you know, and he's really honest as well. And I'm really excited for all the Aussies and New Zealand listeners because his app, and I'm going to put the link for it in the show notes, it's officially available now. And I really just hope you enjoy this raw, honest, super vulnerable chat with Joe. He's friggin' amazing. Um, He's going to inspire you to, if you've got a dream, if you've got a passion, if you've got something, he's just going to inspire you. His work kind of mantra is to work hard, have fun and be nice. I mean, I just can't wait for you to hear this. I really hope you enjoy it. And Joe, thank you so much. You are an absolute legend. Joe Wicks, a.k.a. Body Coach, PE with Joe. Actually, I want to quote Russell Brand here, PE teacher to planet Earth. Plus, you've got your podcast. You've got, is it 10 books now? But you've also just signed another 10-book deal. Is that right? Pretty crazy with the books. I've got a new, I'm with HarperCollins um, next year. So my last book comes out of Panama this year. And then next year, I'm doing children's books and cookbooks for adults. I heard. It sounds unreal. I, I reckon you'll have some ripper kids' cookbooks. I mean, kids' books, should I say, after um, watching all of your pee with Joe workouts and doing some of them myself, might I say. It is so fun and you make me laugh so much. I, I think it's about having fun and I, I just like being silly and I do the dances, I do the fans just Friday, but I never imagined that when I launched those live workouts on YouTube it was going to reach Australia, New Zealand, you know, South America, India, it really went global. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm still now, now doing it because obviously we're in another lockdown here in the UK and um, I do it three days a week and I'm still getting between sort of 30 and 50,000 live streams a day. At its, at its peak during the first lockdown, there was nearly a million live streams a day from around the world. I know, I heard. And was it true that um, before lockdown, you'd get about 2 million people a month doing your workouts and then post lockdown your well I'm presuming the first lockdown it then went to six six to seven million is that right I think it was two million two million before the start of lockdown and then afterwards and that took me eight years I was building that for so long and then obviously lockdown happened millions of people took part uh, there was 80 million views during that first P with Joe the 18 weeks of P with Joe and now I get about yeah nine or ten million views a month from people all over the world so I think what's happened is people have changed their attitude you know gyms are still shut here so people's kind of perception of training in their bedroom or living has changed and they're kind of adopting it and keeping it up which 
which is which is really positive, really. Totally, and it's so it's so fun and it's so nice. I love your silly Billy time. <laughs> silly Billy is a dance where I just play like really pumping music, and I just go look, shake it off, let out any stress or anxiety or just anything you're you're going going through, and have a little dance. And I I slide around the edge of my try and do break dancing. I mean, I literally go into my own little world, and I don't realize what I'm doing until I look back and see just how mad I am. But it's those moments that I really think are giving people a moment of joy and laughter. And sometimes exercise doesn't need to be about the burpees and the squat jumps. It can be about fun and it can be like something that you do as a family. And that's my greatest achievement really is that I've brought families together for the first time. You know, there's toddlers doing it with their parents and their grandparents on Zoom or FaceTime doing it together. And that for me is like such a wonderful thing to see. Totally. I've even seen you post on your Instagram like someone's dog getting into it and watching you on the TV screen and kind of like jumping up right on cue. <laughs> it's amazing to see. But I, I want to admit one thing to you at the start before we get too into it. I was so nervous to contact you for this podcast because you are so busy and you don't stop. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm in Australia. It's much smaller than the UK and America. And you were straight away hundred percent saying yes to jumping on this pod. So I just want to say it took me about two months of courage to get up the nerve to actually um, contact you to get you to come on. So thank you so, so much for even saying yes. We had an amazing trip together. I came to Australia on that first book launch, didn't I? And me and my brother, Nikki came and we met you and, uh, um, you know, Luke Hines, who's amazing. And I just had this best trip and I had great memories and I've kept in touch. I've always followed your journey. So when you asked me, I feel honored that you've invited me on and I, I get asked to a lot of podcasts, but, you know, I've got an emotional connection to you and you're, you're always spreading a positive message. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad we're here. So what is it you want to ask me? Are you going to kind of dig deep or are you going to keep it like superficial? What are you trying to get? Uh, I want to go deep, but I want to start with your mission first. I feel like your mission is all about getting as many people healthy and happy as possible. Would you say that's kind of like a broad version of your mission? And as a personal trainer, you know, running boot camps and doing one-to-ones, my mission's always been, can I get people? feeling stronger healthier happier more confident and I applied that to my YouTube I applied it to my Instagram my cookbooks and it's the same mission I'm on today obviously on a bigger scale now but it's truly my purpose so I always look back at the the story and the journey I've been on and there's been times it's been really difficult but I still remember that I never lost hope or belief in what I was doing I still believe that I'm going to add value and help people and now I read you see how busy I am I mean I reply to you I reply to so many voice notes and DMs and I need to absorb and read that because I need to know that what I'm doing when I film these workouts, the content, whether it's through my app or my free YouTube content, that it's being used and it's helping people. And so I'm really heavily engaged in my social media still. You wouldn't believe how many hours I spend replying to people every single day to, to, you know, for me, it's my energy. It's my life source, if you like. It's it's amazing and it's such an attribute to you. And I, my favourite thing about your social media is you're so real. It feels like you have no filter and you're very comfortable being vulnerable. And when I think there was a the, probably the third lockdown was announced for you guys, you jumped on and put up an IGTV and you got quite emotional and teary. And I was watching with my boyfriend and we got really teary watching it together because uh, it just felt so real and it really feels like your heart's pretty big, like you really care about not just yourself but you really care about just humans in general that are going through pain. It seems like that. As I've grown and evolved and and matured and become a parent, I, I really feel like you've said, you've just described, like my love and my energy and my heart has grown for the world in a sense because I, I feel more, you know, I understand that when, when the lockdown was announced for the third time, you know, 
I was thinking about my childhood and, you know, I grew up in a really tiny little council house and we could never have the heater. It was always cold. We didn't have nice food. It was just junk food. And I remember, I kind of imagined myself being that kid. And I was thinking of all the families out that are struggling and their parents are losing jobs and they can't feed their kids and give them wonderful food and, and keep them warm and safe. And so it really hit me emotionally. And I shared that live. I didn't plan on crying. You know, sometimes it just comes up. And I always think like laughter is a great feeling and you let it out, right? Whereas when it's emotional and you feel like crying, it's an energy you sometimes lock up and push back down. But I let it out. I had a little cry and it was on an Instagram TV. And I've, I've got so many wonderful comments, people that said, thank you for being vulnerable and showing that you're not superhuman and you, you have feelings and it's okay to cry. And I think it's like, boys cry, real boys cry and it's fine. And I felt, I felt amazing after just letting that out. So I do think it's so important to not, you know, with social media, there's a lot of feels, there's a lot of showing your best side, but I love showing my vulnerable to see that I have blowouts, that I have really emotional days where I just eat loads of crap and don't exercise. And that is so human and it's so common to what other people are feeling that I, I, re- I, I think it's the reason that my social media continues to grow because I'm so genuine. I'm, I'm just so real that you can't really fake it, you know, when you've been doing it 10 years. It's like you are who you are. Oh, a hundred million percent. Uh, and I said that when I was watching that video, I was like, man, he's just so real. Like it's it's so refreshing to watch as well. Uh, and you just touched on then your childhood. And I was, the more that I deep dive when I researched you, I was so blown away by how uh, honestly you share your really humble beginnings. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit about your childhood and how you grew up? My past is my story and I'm like proud of who I am today. So I, I don't have any resentment or embarrassment around my childhood. So I think I heard that you you mentioned that um, your dad was in and out of rehab with a heroin addiction and your mum moved out of home at 15, had Nikki at 17 and you at 19, like, you know, living on benefits. I mean, I imagine that's, you know, a really like a, a tough way to 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 grow up At the time it was just all I knew you know when you're a kid it's just your world isn't it like this is how things are like you, my mum was there it's quite chaotic a lot of shouting you know a lot of swearing and you know quite a dysfunctional household and my dad was there but when he was there he was like always a bit you know because heron's a downer right it's not like an upper weight it was almost like it, it was there but he was a bit of a zombie and so I've got memories of it being quite you know quite like it was absent and I didn't have a, a, a male role model and then He'd be clean and it would be great. And then they'd have a big argument and he'd go off and he'd be using again and he'd lose loads of weight. And I mean, heroin's a really horrible drug because it it drains the life out of you and it like you lose all your weight, you just you turn into like a skeleton. So I I've got memories of that, but I've also got a lot of positive childhood memories around like holidays. We used to have great family holidays, we used to go camping in the south of France. Like my mum and dad were so young, it was like hanging out with teenagers. You've got to imagine, like, you know, we were just we're having fun and partying. So I've although I've got a lot of missed memories, I don't look back at my childhood and feel sorry for myself because I love my dad. He's clean today. You know, I love my mum. And she had, you know, for her floors with OCD, you know, she had OCD and just crazy. Like we'd have to clean our room every day, like three or four times a day. We'd be hoovering. It was mad. But it was my reality. And it's made me the person I am today. It's made me an amazing father. It's made me be an amazing husband where I, I want to respect my wife and be there for her and like be patient and be present and not be the shouty, screamy parent that I experienced as a kid. And when you're when you grow up with that, it's really your own default setting. So when Indy and Marley are screaming, I'm screaming back in my head, but I try to sort of, I try to not be that guy and not be that parent that's like losing their shit every time. And it, it, it takes some, it takes work. It takes a lot of patience, but yeah, I've learned from my childhood and I, and I steered well clear of drugs because I didn't want it to destroy my family and my life. 
I've heard you share um, when you got when you're awarded your MBE, and for Aussies listening, I'm pretty sure it's similar to an OAM. But big congratulations, by the way, that's massive. But you took your mum out for dinner, and you were like, "We're celebrating something tonight, mum." And did she just didn't? I think you said she's burst into tears because nobody thought that you boys would grow up to be. You know, you you were on the trajectory of you know going down the wrong kind of path. What happened when you told her about um, getting your MBE? It's like a member of the British Empire, I think. And it's like an award from the Queen. And it was for my kind of work and contribution towards people's like mental health and physical health during lockdown. And I, it's such a lovely thing to receive, but it's not something you just get. It's really difficult to be given one of them. So I knew about two weeks before I got the letter that says, do you want to accept it? Because some people knock it back and say, no, don't want your award. And, um, you know, we'll say no. But I said, yes, it's amazing. Thank you. And I took my mum out for dinner in London. There's a restaurant called um, Lucky Cat. It's one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants. Um, and I was celebrating. It was kind of like a late <clears throat> a late birthday dinner. And I said, mum, let's have a little cocktail together. She doesn't drink. I said, let's have one cocktail. And uh, we're celebrating my birthday. But there's one other thing we're celebrating. So I kind of built the suspense. She was like, what is it? What is it? I was like, well, the Queen wants to give me an award. I've got given an MBE. And she just like, you know, burst into tears. And I'm in the middle of this restaurant with my mum like hugging and we're crying. And it was like just a really special moment because she said, you know, when when I was younger, you know, you know, amongst that community, like people just think we were the wrong ones, like we were the son of a drug addict, like we were the we were the house that was windows were smashed, and you know, it was just a, a shithole. And so to come out of that, you know, that community and that lifestyle and that background and become someone who's helped so many people, it's an emotional thing, and I am really proud of it because all I had to do was like find my way and find my passion. Once I channeled it, because I was very much probably ADHD couldn't couldn't sit still like really disruptive a bit of a clown but once I focused on sport and fitness and helping people I just knew that was what I needed to be doing and and then like I'm, I'm just living my my purpose which is like to help others and you you must be the same like when you do something that helps people and you, you get a message and you realize that your content and your impact is reaching people all over the world that is truly what motivates me and I think we all have to remember that it's about I think community and helping other people is re- really where our happiness comes from totally as I was researching you today I was like this guy's all about service and helping others like that felt like in yoga there's a word called dharma which is like your purpose and I'm like oh his dharma is totally to be of service to his community and to help others as much as possible because even if we go back to before the body coach days where you would ride your bike and you'd have your little um it like what is it like a trailer on the back of the bike and you'd ride across town uh and you'd be handing out flyers to get people to sign up to your like boot camps and there's a really cool video you've posted and it's like the the 10 years overnight success and you get really choked up as you're talking about it and, and again we were getting choked up w- watching it and I just think like you have you've you've kind of like I don't know what my question is here, but I really wanted to speak to it because I think it's so cool that you've shown that it's not an overnight success. You show that it takes blood, sweat and tears. It takes hard work. It takes standing there and handing out flyers at a train station when you don't want to do that. Um, can you share a little bit about that beginning, that real, like when you were like probably really early 20s, I imagine? Because it's just an example of like if you love what you do and you're passionate and you believe in yourself like wholeheartedly, you can build an amazing vision and dream and life for yourself. And obviously I started out like any other personal trainer. I got my qualification. I was like, I don't want to go and work for a gym. I want to be my own little boss. I want to have my own little like kit and I want to turn up at people's houses and, 
and parks and, and do the outdoor stuff. So I went down that route. I set up a boot camp um, called Rumble in the Park. It was a boxing for fitness boot camp. So I had all the pads and I had the kettlebells and TRX and stuff. And I, I would cycle. So I, I couldn't afford a van at the time. So I had a, a bicycle with a trailer on the back. You know, like some people like load their kids in and like carry all this <laughs> stuff um, to the dump and all that. And I yeah. basically, I'd have my kettlebells and my TRX and my pads and my battle ropes. And I'd ride five miles from my dad's flat. I was living my dad's flat, in my dad's flat all the way to Richmond. And I'd set up the boot camp. I'd set up all the stations, you know, 20 different stations. Because in my head, I always thought, this is going to be massive. Like, there's going to be loads of people. This is going to be an amazing boot camp. Um, and I'd set it up. And, and sometimes nobody would turn up. Many times that happened. And sometimes one person, sometimes two. But I never gave up. I used to pack up the stuff, put it in my little trailer. I'd go over to Richmond train station at rush hour. And I would stand there giving out flyers and trying to promote myself. And I found that the hardest thing. I was so shy, so embarrassed that I was having to stand there annoying commuters. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. But it's all I could do. I couldn't afford marketing. I couldn't afford adverts and things. So I did that. I built up my boot camp. And it was an amazing little business. I loved it. I loved training people, you know, seeing people go on that journey, like face to face in groups. And I really came to life during the boot camps. But at some point I saw, I saw like, I can't do this forever. I was up at 5am. I was out till 10pm. It's a, it's a young man's game to have that much hunger and appetite to be doing it. Especially like when you have when you've got kids, it's like really tough. So I always knew that I had to do something digital, like to reach more people. And that's when I kind of had the idea of like, you know, lean in 15 and we're sharing those recipes on Instagram and that one simple idea of me frying food in the pan, shouting out the ingredients, got me a book deal with Pound Macmillan in the UK. And I've now sold four million books. So imagine if I just didn't have that idea and that persistence. And when I started those videos, Lola, honestly, my friends and like best friends of mine would say, you're such an annoying prick. Why are you doing these videos? Get back to your boot camp. You're so busy on Instagram. It's annoying, right? But I didn't listen to those voices. I just kept going and look at the opportunity and look at the people I reach because of that one idea and that leaf that I just love sharing recipes. Oh, do you know, I, I can't look at broccoli without thinking midget trees. <laughs> All thanks to you. <laughs> uh, I, I also, another thing that I love about your personality, and I think that it has been from that that moment where you started, well, it's probably in from ever, but uh, as far as it's being documented from those, you know, quick 15-minute lean in 15 meals but like you're quite uh, silly and there's a cheekiness to you like and I have to ask you about um Windy Wicks because I can't I know you're gonna bring it up <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times we have re-watched that like rolling around with laughter and my favorite bit is like you're you've got a highlight of it on your Instagram where it's you literally with your gin ton like <laughs> just t- basically taking the mickey out of yourself and it is oh, so good to see you not take yourself too seriously. But I, I just have to ask about that because do you know when you type Joe Wicks into YouTube now, like Joe Wicks fart is number two. See, I, I was hoping this was going to blow over, but it still comes back to haunt me. <laughs> and it even reached Australia. So obviously, look, this is what happened. I've gone live on the first day back for P with Joe and I clicked on the link to stream, but normally you get like, a 30 second buffer period where it's like loading the link right but for some reason it was active and I I knew I had about 30 seconds so I quickly like had this pressure building up in my tummy and I was like I've got one chance if I don't do this now I've got to hold this in for 20 minutes doing squats and crunches and it's not going to happen live right so I let out this all mighty rip of a really like big high volume crescendo like it went up in speed and it was so loud and I was like right three two one live and I didn't realize 
it had been picked up until I watched the video back on YouTube. And I rang my mate Dom. I said, Dom, I've done a fart. Edit the video. Get it down. Pull it off. But by that point, the Daily Mail had it. It was all over Instagram. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm going to own this fart. And um, I owned oh. it and I shared it. And honestly, this is true. Of 10 years of creating content, all the recipes, wedding photos, photos of Indian Marley when they were born, this comment, this, this, this video and this post got more comments. It got like 30,000 comments, more shares, more views, and more PR coverage than anything. And I got, got Breakfast TV in Australia very much said, We've heard about your fart, mate. Come over here. So I got on there and they wouldn't stop playing. Did you see the interview? Oh, yeah. Aussies love. This is this humour is like perfect for Australians. Oh, over. And I said, we're trying to have an interview. I said, stop playing it. And they just kept playing the fart over and over. It's so funny. It's so good. Another video that I love that I play over, it's so funny, is like, You've got you've done a face painting with your whole fam, but this, this video is of Indy, and she's like, "It's gin ton time," and she's got this like I think it's like tiger face paint on. She's cute as button as a button, and she's so passionate about your gin ton time. And it, I just love how much you share um, your family life and Rosie, and obviously when you were doing um, you know pee with Joe, and you didn't you break your wrist or your hand? My wrist on my motorbike I crashed into a wall which wasn't very fun but I basically um broke a bone like two days before I started pee with Joe and I was like, I cannot miss this I'm going to be there I'd announce it to the world so I had a cast on and it was fine it was really painful it was okay for a few months and then it kind of it got infected so the wires had to be taken out and on the Monday morning I spent two days in the hospital and I mm. doped up on morphine and, and liquid paracetamol and I said Rosie I've got to be there Monday I can't not be there so she came in as my teaching assistant so she was in her sports kit I was in this like, in a shirt and tie with a little clipboard and we done the workout together. So she, you know, she was there through every single workout. And I have to also thank, you know, Nikki, my brother, he was there on the, uh, on the phone, you know, doing the shout out. So every single day for like 18 weeks, we were there doing those workouts. So it's a family. It was a, fa- it was a team effort. And we all really worked hard to create that moment in time where we gave kids and families a chance to just relax and unwind and have fun. And I, I'm still having, like yesterday I did, it, I put the music on, I was dancing and I realised that it's not even just the exercise, it's the, it's just the release and like not thinking about lockdown, not thinking about COVID and just having a bit of mo- a moment in time where you just completely forget and have fun. And that is my gift. That's my sunshine. Like, I just love doing that. And I know it's making people laugh. Like I went, I dressed up as Buzz Lightyear and I try and do the splits and I pull a hamstring. I dressed up, I dressed up as a honey monster. I slid along the gym floor and headbutted the ceiling. Like I don't mean to do these things, but when I do it, it just makes people laugh so much. Same, same with Fartgate. And we all need a little giggle now more than anything, don't we? I love that after fart day, you rock up wearing a whoopee cushion suit as well. I was like, oh, well played, my friend. <laughs> so good. Capitalising. I milked it for a little bit, but I thought, look, if I'm going to do it, I've got to turn the uh, turn the volume up. I played the fart down the mic again. And I said, oh, sorry, it's Mr. Whoopee Cushion here with Pete. Here with Joe. <laughs> I rewatched that today. So, so phenomenal. I want to quickly talk to you about mental health because I know – that mental health is a real passion of yours and you talk about exercising and moving your body not to look a certain way but to feel really good and I know as well being into health and being into yoga like if I move my body I feel good like it's as simple as that my mood is lifted we know like it jacks up your dopamine it makes you feel good so how important to you is mental health and it, do you notice the correlation when you kind of like pull back on the exercise or have like as you you call it like a wobble day does that affect your mental health a little bit like how do you look after yours and how important is it to you I've realized as the years have gone on that 
as a kid, you know, my therapy has always been exercise. Like I, I didn't go down a park and smoke weed and have fights and do graffiti. And I wasn't a little tearaway. I was like after school clubs, I was running, I was roller skating. I was at karate club. I was playing football. I was always hanging out and doing after school sports teams and things. Cause I, that was my event. If you like, it was my release of stress and the, the anger I had towards my dad, you know, being a hardcore heron addict. When you're a kid, you just don't understand. Well, why can't you just stop taking drugs? Dad? Like we're all here for you. Like what's going on? But I, I didn't understand that at the time. And so I realized that for me, it's all been like the part of my life that's kept me grounded and present and, and happy. And I, I know that on the days I don't exercise, I'm grumpy, I'm snappy, I'm impatient, I'm intolerant. Like I just get moody and I, I'm just not that great to be around. But when I exercise, I'm the opposite. I'm really patient and calm and I'm loving and I'm understanding. And so for me, it's like it's a part of my life that is not optional. It's essential for me as a human being to be a good husband and a good parent and a good you know, boss and looking after my staff. It's like so important to me. And the narrative has changed so much from when I was an 18 year old kid traveling Australia. I was doing the back, I was doing the East coast with my friends. You know, it was, it was about, I was in the gym to be lean to change my body. So I was skinny. I didn't like my body. It was all about body image. But as the time has gone on, I've realized that I don't train to look a certain way anymore. I train to feel good. I train to have, you know, energy and be really happy and be like buzzing every day. And, that is something I've noticed in myself, but also every single person that does my plan or my app or reads my YouTube, sorry, does my YouTube workouts. It's always those non-scale victories, I call them, like the mental health stuff. So things you can't see, right? Um, and so now, like in all the books I release, I talk about exercising to feel good as opposed to the before and after and the fat loss transformation, which is still a big motivator for people, but it's not the thing that's going to keep you going. The thing that keeps you going is the fact that you sleep better, you know, you have best digestion, you feel energized your skin's clearer like you're just happier and that's the message I keep saying and I'll be I'll be saying that forever whether you're a two-year-old kid or a 75 year old woman or, or man I'll say the same thing and it's such a powerful message that I'm saying it but you're saying it. everyone's talking about it now and five years ago it wasn't it was about Instagram and it's about ripped abs lean beach body right now it's all about mental health so I think we're all talking about it and I think it's good to elevate that message oh totally I'm wrapped that you talk so much about it I think it's awesome and um, you did just mention your app, and I'm so excited because it's in Australia. So can you tell me about the app, uh, how it, it's available on Apple? Is that right? It's finally out in Australia. Um, 9th of March, it, it's out. So what happens is uh, when you launch an app, obviously, it's on iOS at the moment, so just iPhone and iPad, but we do it in regions. So we've launched it in the UK and Europe. It's been amazing, and we've now optimized it for the for Australia. So we're testing it with some people. It's working really well. and. I'm so excited because it's really, it's really changing lives. And the more I, you know, read the DMs and the comments and people, you know, whether they've done my old 90 day plan or this new app, it's, it's just like the structure and accountability and the, the support you get from following a plan. And sometimes people are great on their own. They can go and do YouTube. They can go and follow a recipe book and they're kind of independent, but so many people struggle with the motivation. So with this app, I've tried to create something that it kind of brings you back in. It's, you know, new workouts, um, updated recipes, there's live content, there's motivational stuff. And it also, it tracks your mood. So it asks, you know, how are you feeling today? How's your energy levels? And these are the things that are going to motivate on the days you haven't lost weight or your kind of things have slowed down. All of these questions are going to really prompt you to think, you know what, I'm stronger this month. I've done 10 full press ups. I've done one set of burpees for 40 seconds where I can only do one before. So these little things are great. And it's also you know, it's tailored. So the recipes, the nutrition, the portions are tailored to the person that signs up. So it does get amazing results for those that commit to it. Um, and I'm just proud of it. It's taken a year and a half to build and it's all the workouts are real time. So, you know, I film when I'm so 
energized and putting all my love and motivation into every single workout that I do. Um, I'm just really proud of it as a product and a service and, and what it's doing for people. Oh, I'm so pumped. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. So congratulations and congrats for getting it to Australia as well. Like we're the little kind of like long lost cousin over here. So it's so nice to um, be able to have access to, yeah, meal plan, but also like the movement stuff and actual plan. That's what I'm so excited about to kind of like click in because I the way you said like uh, some people are really good at home and kind of like doing their own workout and in Australia, I don't know if you know this, but some parts of Australia keep going back into lockdown. So some of Australia is open, but some of it, like Victoria, keeps going back into snap lockdowns, which means you go straight back to your, you know, working out from home. And so I find that like my motivation kind of like goes in ebbs and flows and waves. So having something like the app is going to be a really great accountability tool for me to kind of like stay on track and be like, no, I've got this thing that's going to hold me accountable, you know? It's just phase one. Like we've just got obviously me on there at the moment, but I'm actually doing a PT search at the moment to find amazing trainers to join the team. So I'm looking to get a Pilates teacher, you know, someone that does bar and yoga and meditation. So it's really going to build as a platform. It's just going to get better each month. But yeah, it's amazing to start with. And the feedback's been incredible. And listen, I was coming out of that. I was literally booking flights. Me, Nikki, Rosie, Louisa, all the kids were coming to Australia. Um, and about a week later, the, the fire started. So we couldn't, you know, it was just the wrong time to come because I was going to come and do a big, you know, press trip. And so my TV show aired there, didn't it? My body coach TV show aired in Australia. And I thought I'm going to come out there and do a little launch and do a little bit of a brand building thing. But it wasn't the right time. But the minute I can fly into that country, I promise I'm there. I want to do a big, you know, I want to visit. I basically want to do what I've done in the UK. I want to visit schools and have the impact and, and do like a U, an Australian schools trip um, to visit different parts of the country. And inspire you know children in a sense that's really where my passion lies I love that I've connected with adults and I've got millions of people cooking but my true passion from this point on I really think is the younger generation because they need it so much they need someone to be a role model someone to inspire them and to promote fitness and mental health and I, I just yeah I'm, I'm really going to put a lot of time into that so Australia's on my hit list and New Zealand um also because I selfishly want to travel I did it in 2004 I traveled Australia from Sydney up to Kent and I at the time of my life like I love Australia and I also want to take the kids and you know take them to New Zealand and travel travel New Zealand as well oh beautiful I've just moved to Byron Bay thanks to lockdown so um if you ever come past Byron Bay it is so beautiful I walked yesterday and I saw like 80 dolphins in the water like it's so I feel like I'm living in paradise but I I love the way you talk about Byron your passion. Bay. yeah I'm yeah, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry um you're sorry pick up um you're so lucky you live in Byron Bay. That's like my favourite part of Australia. So I did the whole coast, Sydney to Cairns, and I fell in love with Byron. And I went back there um, and I worked in an host- a hostel called Aquarius. I spent three months there and I went to like, I met, well, at the time I met my girlfriend in Cheeky Monkeys. You know, oh the club Cheeky Monkeys? Yes, yes. Is it still yes. there? It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> I met my girlfriend. I was 19 and I met my girlfriend in Cheeky. We were dancing on the tables at Cheeky yes, Monkeys. Yes, yes. Um, and I was with her for nine years. Like we were, yeah, we had an amazing time together. And that was my um, my trip to Australia. But I love it there. And I, I I used to run to the lighthouse. You know, I used to I used to go swimming and surfing. And it's just an, it's such a cool vibe, isn't it? Has it changed much? I mean, I haven't been there for like seven or eight years. Has it changed a lot. Well, because of lockdown in Australia, most people have, a lot of people from Melbourne and Sydney have relocated here and I'm one of those people. Um, but it's it doesn't feel too busy. It feels amazing. And that lighthouse run you just talked about, I did that yesterday. It's 
such a beautiful, I just feel so lucky. Like I can't get over how stunning it is. But I do um, I do think that you coming to Australia and doing what you've done in the UK with kids' schools would be unreal. I, I remember you and I are the same age and I remember watching Jamie's school di- school's dinners. Do you remember that show? And for me, I feel like there's so so much synergy between you and him, him like obviously being a chef, but you from like the movement and the the health perspective, I think, uh, yeah, 100%, you're very welcome to come to Australia whenever you want, my friend. <laughs> the moment I can, we can't even leave, well, we can leave our house, but we can't even leave the country at the moment. So as soon as things lock, you know, lockdown eases and we can start traveling and I would love to come back there. I'd love to spend a month there and travel with the kids and visit different parts. And yeah, like like you said, visit schools and see if I can make an impact and inspire them. And I think I've done it in the UK. So I'm sure if they like my style and they like my attitude and my kind of energy, they, they'll, they'll take me under their wing. America's probably harder to crack because they have their own kind of their own talent and people. But I'd still love to try. I mean, America's a big place, but I know they also need help and inspiration with their training and their, their mental health. So I, I think Australia will be next and then um, New Zealand and then followed by America. I think uh, one thing to know is like Aussies love, Aussies love Brit humour. And so your humour will carry here, no probs, like so well. We will totally like soak you up because we've got the same, the exact same humour. Whereas I, I like, I love to do work in America too. When I go there, sometimes I'm like, oh, my my jokes don't land so well in <laughs> America because it's a very different humour, you know. So it's just different. Did you end up moving worlds. to um? Did you end up moving to Santa Monica and Venice? You were going to go over there for a while. Did you go over? My green card, my flight to go for my green card was in March last year, like as soon as Australia locked its borders. So I actually go um, in the middle of this year, I'll be heading over. So it's exciting. How long are you planning on being there for? I'll do half half there. I'm going to split myself half Byron, half LA. That's the goal. So that's a, that is a, good, uh, a good mixture. I, I've got a place in Santa Monica, so we normally spend um, like October, November, December time there, and I love it. But we haven't been over there for a year and a half, like, I've got yeah. someone else. I've got like a random dude living in my house just to take care of it because obviously there was the big, um, there was the big, you know, the riots and there's all the stuff going mm. off in Venice and and brought on Broadway and Main Street and stuff. So yeah, I've got someone there now, but I I miss it. I do can't I can't wait to get back there. I love like Venice Beach and Santa Monica. Uh, I can spend like the whole month there without even going into Hollywood. I just stay along that beachfront and that's yeah. me done. Yeah, and I've heard you say in interviews it's so nice to go to America because you've got a little bit more privacy because people don't recognise you as much, whereas uh, in obviously in like London and all of England, like you are the nation's PE teacher, so everybody knows you. And in Australia when you and I toured together, you had like mega queues lined up to meet you and get your autograph and this would be like, yeah, like five, six years ago now. So I think um, I, I get the the love of America too. Like I I, I love it as well. But um, I, I can see where it would be nice for you to have kind of like that landing pad there to kind of balance out your life. And every time I hear you talk about America, you always mention Coachella and I'm getting so jealous. I haven't been to Coachella yet. <laughs> I, I met, um, well, I met Rosie before we went to Coachella, but we actually like went over there and we sort of fell in love at Coachella, mm-hmm. if you like. It's the most amazing weekend uh, I had tickets to go last year for a stag do as my friends getting married. We had tickets we had tickets for Coachella in April and we had tickets for Glastonbury in the summer here. It was the 50th anniversary. And I've never been to Glastonbury. So yeah, they both got uh, wished out. I don't even know, to be honest, I don't even know if we're getting the tickets or the money back. I don't know what's happening with that. But yeah, I do miss live music. So I've been talking about a lot. Like I miss 
and I've been watching. Oh my god, I fell in love with a band, an Australian band called the Teskey Brothers. You know them? Yes, 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 yes. They're phenomenal. They they've become quite famous because Chris Hemsworth keeps posting about them as well. So they're doing really well. I'm obsessed with the Teskey Brothers, and I had tickets to see them in April. But I've, I, it's really hard, like seeing like all these festivals and loads of people partying. I just want to be out there in Australia. I can see they're like doing like festivals out there with like no masks and stuff. It looks awesome. Well, to make you, like, to put that into perspective, that festival they did last weekend was in Victoria and that was their first, like, Victoria's first week out of hardcore lockdown. So Victoria had it really full on and have been in lockdown extremely until pretty much last weekend. So that Teskey Brothers um, festival they did, um, they that was literally Melbournians' first chance to kind of, like, go out and experience live music. So it I bet being there was like absolutely epic. I bet that was like the most euphoric like moment of being there, seeing them live. He's the guy's voice, the lead singer's voice is beautiful. And I've also found another band through them called Bahamas. Have you heard of Bahamas? I have heard because of you. You put it on your IG stories all the time. Do you like them? Yeah, I love it. I started Googling them. Like I started looking them up on Spotify after I heard your music. And another thing you've got me Amazing. doing is Wim Hof now. And I love the video where, like, Rosie's filming you and she's like, come on, come on, Joe, you've got this. And she's, like, so gentle but kind of coaxing you along and you crack over the three-minute mark. And haven't you hit, like, six minutes now in an ice bath? And he, like, installed a little sauna and an ice bath in the garden because, obviously, I love going, like, to spas and weekends away and it's just not happening. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it and really get a little space at the end of my garden where I can re- recover and retreat to. And it. It's amazing, like going out and I've got an ice machine, 50 kilograms of ice it produces. So I dump the ice in the bath, add it with like cold water. So just get it cold for about 10, 15 minutes. And I, I jump in and I aim to do like two minutes was my first time and I managed three. But it's really amazing because I used to hate cold showers, but I've got used to it. And I don't, it's not a shock as much anymore. And it's the same with the ice. You get in, you take that first deep breath and you kind of find a little bit of calm and you just relax into it. It's kind of like meditation in a way. And you just, you can sort of get rid of the, the pain is quite hard on the feet and toe it's the feet and fingers that go the, the most um so yeah six minutes is my pb and i'm gonna just try and keep building up but you do you do feel amazing you feel alive like and you feel energized and you feel really focused it's, I, I think for me it's not like the muscle recovery it's more about mental recovery for me and i just love it i was the same as you the first time i did it i was so blown away at how long i could hold my breath after an exhale I was blown away by that using the Wim Hof technique. So I did a vlog and I interviewed him and I, I didn't know about this Wim Hof breathing. I just used to stand in the cold shower and scream like a girl. But what I've realised is <laughs> the breathing is incredible. I did the, the Wim Hof breathing. So it's 30 like big inhale and exhales. And on the final breath, you exhale all the air out of your lungs and you can hold your breath for like two, three minutes. And it's like mind blowing, but you, you essentially oxygenate the body so that you can just, stay in that position and that really helped me get ready for the ice bath I think oh I loved watching that vlog and um Wim he's so inspiring and he's like you got this like he's uh, I left that going I've got to I've got to go and do another ice bath it was really inspiring I'm going to ask you a funny more energy primal energy you can do this (laughs) he's amazing I was so amped and pumped after that conversation he (laughs) he is an amazing human he's been doing it for 44 years so we're all over here having cold showers this guy was swimming in the Arctic like like 40 years ago trying to talk about this and, and say how important it is for our health and our, our mental health. 
Oh, totally. Yeah, he's incredible. I'm going to ask you a funny question because I listened to your interview on Fern's podcast and you were like, do you know that I have been voted GQ's 10th worst dress man in Britain? Is that true? Never like been featured. They've never interviewed me, but there was a little piece. You know, they do like the ten worst dressed celebrities. Like they would have a list of like hot or not. And I was in the I was in the not section. I was like basically like number six. And there were some really strange old school celebrities and just some really nutty looking people. But I just basically like don't wear clothes. I'm either in a pair of cycling shorts, a pair of shorts, or like a workout top. So yeah, it was. I kind of laughed it and I just tweeted it and said, "Oh, I finally made it into GQ, tenth worst dressed man." Um. I'm just not great at fashion, but I don't really give a shit. I don't care. Like I just, I don't spend money on clothes really. I don't, I don't really value like high, you know what I mean? Like high fashion and all that. I just, I wear a nice pair, nice pair of shorts and a t-shirt and I'm, I'm good. A pair of flip-flops. I love that, that that's the way that you take on negative criticism because I imagine with all the success and um, all the media exposure, I imagine that sometimes there is like, yeah, a flip side to it as well. And I just thought it was so cool how you called it out and had a laugh at it. Um, is that how you like to handle any of the kind of like more negative press? You just kind of take it in your stride and have a laugh? And to just like, you know, know that not everyone's going to love your style. You're not everyone's cup of tea. And I used to get really affected by people. You know, there's people that would write, make videos about me that would, you know, make podcasts about me and dig me out and slag me off. But I can't, and it used to drain my energy a lot. So I used to think, what, why? I'm so positive and so caring and kind to people, and I'm just out here trying to help people. Why would people dig me out? But I've learned to kind of understand that it's it's maybe coming from a place of, you know, they might be struggling. And I, I was a struggling PT. It's hard. It's hard standing out, and it's hard, you know, being successful and growing on social media. So I really respond differently. I never react. I never reply. I never focus on it too much. I actually just focus on the positive stuff that I get. So I'd say 99% of my sentiment is positive there's one percent of people and it's it's normally personal trainers that dig me out but I'm so I'm just on a mission I just think help people keep going rather than like dra- drag people down and even when people make like videos you know like there's accounts that make fun of other influencers and other trainers yeah. and I think it's just mean really because it's kind of like cyberbullying. and for some people like you know new trainers and young people that are trying to establish themselves and identify themselves like they might really take it quite personally really be really upset by it so I just don't like that you know cat like taking someone's engaged post and like trying to use it to to boost your profile by making fun of them I I just think it's a bit mean so I try to stay positive and you know I don't want to be here slagging off other people's training programs or other people's diet companies like everyone's trying to do the same thing which is help people get healthier really I know there's different methods but yeah I focus on the positive and I I I really do like wash myself in positive comments so that anything negative that does stab me a little bit I kind of like go oh it's all right and I kind of I let it go. I used to hang on to it, but now I let it go much quicker. Oh, no, I love that. I've heard you say before, uh, if you don't let go of what people think or say about you and you'll be happier much faster. And I, I think that that's a, such a good way to live, not just someone as someone that's in the media, but in general, like let go of the judgment of others. Um, you've done so, so much. We're talking books here. We're talking podcast PS when I was researching you I was trying to research all the interviews you'd done like as a guest but I kept falling back into your podcast because I loved it so much your your interview with James Bay I loved um but yeah so please anyone listening please listen to Joe's podcast I'll put it in the show note links um but you've done so so much you've got merch you've done shows you've like kids school everything and on top of that husband two beautiful kiddos like 
my word is bambinos for kids. Um, you know, what out of everything are you just like, oh, that's what I'm most proud of? And it can be everything, but what, like, stands out for you? It will always be P with Joe. It will always be, you know, at a time when the world was so down and so scared and upset and anxious and, like, really confused, I was there, bounced down my living room with 80 million people. Um, and it was, maybe it was more because it was 80 million views, but really it was families with yeah. loads of kids. It was schools. So... It, it could be it could be hundreds of millions and, and and I love that and for me you know I'd been working on that dream I I'd been visiting schools all over the UK trying to promote f- physical exercise and fitness for kids for their mental health and happiness and so my dream my vision my manifestation which I knew was going to happen I thought it was going to take me ten years TV shows loads of campaigning government back in but it happened in eighteen weeks it, it just happened it, all I needed was to connect and I know that. Not every family and every kid is still exercising with their parents right now, but a, a good percentage of kids are going upstairs and they're running up and down on the spot and they're doing their burpees and their mum and dad's bang on the door and they say, what are you doing? And they look around, they open the door and they're doing a pee with Joe work and they've chosen to do it. And so that will that will forever be like the moment in time because lockdown was obviously a real difficult emotional time for me personally on a connection level with my family and friends, but I built this community and I built this love and I was there for people at a time that they needed me. So. I think I'll always look back at lockdown as as at the time that I helped people. And for me, I don't know if I'll ever be able to replicate that on such a scale because it was like everyone in the world was doing it almost. And yeah, I mean, I always think about a moonshot. I think, what's my biggest, what's my next moonshot? And I don't know because it was just such a big moment in time. So I need to really like focus myself and, and re kind of channel my energy and think about what can I do bigger? How can I engage more schools and more families and more kids? So yeah, I think it will always be that moment in time. Ah, so cool. And I don't know if you know this, but yes, Aussie TV did feature the fart, but there were other Aussie TV shows that just featured what you were doing, like, because we were in lockdown at the same time as you, and that, and you'd literally pop up on the screen and they're like, there's a PE teacher in, you know, Joe Wicks has been PE teaching for all of Britain and, you know, in all over the world, really. So, you've done so much, you've reached and touched so many people. I am so... Um, I'm really honoured to know you and to be able to call you a mate. So I can't, yeah, thank you enough for everything you've done. And I think like something I'd like to end this podcast with and it is that video you put up with that um, 10-year overnight success and you're giving this speech and you're like, there's three things I live by. It's to work hard, have fun and be nice. And then you go, good luck, everybody. Go out and smash it. (laughs) I thought... What an awesome little, like, it was so inspiring. So thank you for everything you've done. You're an absolute legend. And, yeah, I feel really, really lucky to know you, albeit overseas. <laughs> it's been so lovely to chat and catch up. And I, I know we'll reconnect. And I had such a great time. I mean, you were just so fun and warm. And, and like, you were so, um, you know, just really took care of me and Nikki. And were just giving us loads of advice and taking, you know, looking after some Because we were, like, on our own in Australia, didn't know what we were doing. And. We loved it. We had so much fun. And you know what? I would love to connect again and, you know, talk about other stuff in the future. If you want to do any videos or like Instagram lives and stuff, we can maybe do that. But thank you so much. And I look forward to coming over to Australia. And that that, that message you said about work hard, have fun, be nice. You no, know, it's simple, isn't it? And it's like it's, it's how successful people succeed in life. And I always come back to that. I work hard at what I do. You know, I have fun in the process and I'm, and I'm nice to everyone I can possibly be. And that is why I continue to grow and succeed. Seed. And I think if we all applied that principle to our our work, our friendships, our relationships, you know, we'd all be so much happier. So 
work hard, have fun, be nice, and go and smash it, Australia. <laughs> you are amazing. Thank you so much, Joe Wicks. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm-hmm.